Panera menu with every single mayoral candidate that matters. <laughs> Ooh, how about that one? They all got the invite, and these are these are the only ones tough enough and mentally brave enough to come here and not have any any stipulations or no no uh, no borders to this conversation. And uh, we got Regina, we got Heather, and we got Tom. How you guys doing? Good man. Oh, let's get these mic situation. I didn't even see it. Can you just scoot this way a little bit? And then Regina, could you just pull your mic a little bit closer towards you? Nice. Thanks. Perfect. All right. How's everyone doing today? Good. 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 Great. 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 Good. Good. Great. All right. Um, you know, before we get into everything, uh, maybe we could do it like they did it. If you guys want to say a little bit about yourself and just give the people a quick uh, uh, synopsis of who you are. I don't know if you guys want to or not. Right, you don't have to. Like that's that's the opening statement with everything we do. Yeah, I think people know we're here. Obviously, we're dedicated. We all have ideas um, on how we can make things better for Pueblo. Mm-hmm. Uh, our websites pretty much detail um, our history and our background and where we come from. Mm-hmm. And so, I currently serve on City Council for District One for the North Side. Um, and Heather serves uh, for city council at large. And Tom? Tom's I serve my wife. Oh. <laughs> they all do. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. So um, Legend in your own mind. <laughs> <laughs> Fish fear him. <laughs> okay. All right. So um, Heather, this is Heather and Tom. This is you guys' first time here. I want to thank you guys so much for coming. Um, Thanks for having us. Yeah. Of course, yeah. I, I appreciate you guys pulling up. Uh, did you guys see any other any? Uh, did you guys see last week's episode with um, Samuel Hernandez Jr. and Elvis Martinez? To uh, I did. I watched it. You I watched, watched it. A little bit of it. Mm-hmm. Any any particular parts <laughs> that you guys? Because I, th- I feel like they all everyone's name came up. Yeah, nothing that sticks out. Ooh. Yeah. I dig it. I dig it. Yeah. I mm-hmm. liked it. Um, all right. Well, let's just get into the shit then. How about that? It works. Okay. So when when you win mayor of Pueblo, I don't know. What is what is your first what is your first few things you're going to get done? Heather? Yeah. Uh, so for me, it's about um, collaborating with the council mm-hmm. um, and mending the relationships uh, with city staff and uh, the rest of the council members and uh, putting a, together a plan to get things done um, mm-hmm. in each district and having the mayor's office uh, work hand-in-hand hand doing that. I think that's really important. Um, I think it's important to get past the status quo um, and build a five-year strategic plan for the city of Pueblo because we are definitely lacking that right now. So those are some of my top priorities. Um, you know, first 100 days. Um I'm also, you know, would like to entertain uh, meeting, you know, 100 citizens in the first 100 days and, um, you know, getting to know them and what uh, what problems they see in Pueblo and how we can work together to find um, solutions because mm-hmm. that's uh, that's what the mayor should be here for. I like that. I like the 100 citizens in 100 days. Yep. Mm-hmm. Regina? Yeah, I've been d- doing that. I've been spending a lot of time in people's homes and small home parties, um, talking to the sp- citizens, getting their input, 
my uh, plan has been built on the input of the people. This is their asset. This is their city, mm -hmm. um, and they should have the say in it. I understand my position as an elected official is to serve the people. And so I see myself going in at, like any manager would. Um, I've been in different levels of management, going in and um, getting make sure that my team, and that would be the administration of the city, um, in make sure that everyone's in order and we're all on the same page. You can't um, start to implement things until you make sure that your teammates are all on the same page. And so um, that's usually what I do. I've been a troubleshooter in my career, go in, assess everything. You know, the other thing too is that we need to run a fiscal audit anytime you transition power in any way, shape, or form or leadership. You need to go over the financials and make sure that everything's correct because when you accept it, you are responsible for it. And if you didn't do your due diligence and take care of things and make sure that everything, you know, the T's are crossed and the I's are dotted, you can be responsible for that. And it's just, it's just part of what you would do in this situation. Mm -hmm. You know, council has, um, there has been some contention um, council, I would encourage council to have their own um, legal representation, their own administration. That way they're not reliant on my administration and I think it um, alleviates um, conflict of interest or, and it builds trust because they have their own representation. I have my own, rep I would have my own representation and we could, it'd be a more comfortable place for them. You know, we've been in a situation, Heather and I, you know, here in the last couple years where you, the attorney could say, give you four different pieces of advice on the same question. Um, and it seems like a lot of that is tailored to however they want to move things. And so um, it would be great if they had their own representation, not, as a d not to divide, but to give everybody the power to understand that they all have their rights, um, they can move forward. I like that. I like that. Um, Tom, what about you? Well, I would <coughs> meet with all of my department heads. Um, and while you're talking, I'm just going to put the live chat up. I didn't do that. I'm just going to have to step away for a second. Okay. Keep going. Meet with all the uh, department heads to find out what's going on in the city. Uh, get the pulse of the city. I, You know, I, I'm not necessarily convinced that we have the right people in the right jobs um, I would definitely work with City Council I don't think there's any room for partisan politics in in city politics I mean it's it just it doesn't exist we're all here for one reason and that's the you know the citizens of Pueblo um, so I would you know the partisan politics we need to get rid of that right away um, but we do need to work together I mean and I think that's the only way we're going to get anything accomplished. We've got to collaborate and form a team, and that includes, you know, the president of city council, the mayor, all the members of city council, um, the department heads. We, you know, we just, it's a perfect example is where Mayor Gratishar lives. Um, there's a developer that wants to put in, and I think uh, Dennis lives over there too in Ventana, 220 housing units, and the people, they don't want it. You know, we want growth, but it's always not in my backyard, you know, and they're saying that 
Um, the problem is there's only two access points into that neighborhood when in reality I think they're afraid that they're going to lose their view, you know, that they have. Um, so we really need, like I say, we, we've, we've got to get past all of this and, and uh, work together, you know, to get things accomplished. Um, and that's it, you know, it's, we've got to find out why we can't retain police officers. Mayor Gratishar said he hired in five years, he's hired 70. Well, we're still short 70, so that tells me that in five years, we've had 140 quit. Yeah. You know, so why? You know, what, wherein lies the problem? We need to solve this problem. I think, I think we can recruit police officers. I really do. Um, we just can't keep them. So we've got to figure that out. But, yeah, I think it's, it's all about working together as a team with the city council. Guys, how's the um, sorry? How's the volume now, guys? They were saying that they had a little bit of trouble hearing you guys at first, but I think we got it down now. Um, I put I put hose the volume now. I apologize. I meant to put how's the volume. My I'm, my bad. Tom good. Tom's good on the volume. Okay. Um, just let us know, guys, if if the stream's acting right. We want to get this perfect. Um, yeah. Okay. I, I good. Yeah, I turned it up super yeah. loud now. I could hear wind. I could hear like air. Yeah. Move. Okay, so um. Well, I'm glad you brought up land use because we are going to come up with a bunch of issues. Uh, well, not issues. We're going to come up and we're going to actually change some of the planning and zoning codes and changes for land use. And right now um, we have a RFP out and we're trying to choose the company that's going to come in and help us with all of these changes. And I don't know that it's all necessarily about not in my backyard as much as it is you know, when um, Polis's bill, land use bill, where he wanted to come in and take jurisdiction over municipalities, um, and it was gonna be said and made aware at state level that the, decision, the, the decisions were going to be made at state level. If you looked at the policies and the plan, um, what it does is it makes neighborhoods equitable so anyone could live, they can create neighborhoods and subdivisions where really anyone could live. And if you look at the American family and the American dream, some people like to have their neighborhood match their subdivision as a whole equally. You know, some of the things that they're looking at is um, putting, allowing ADU units, additional dwelling units on single family properties. Okay. Now, we don't move into a single family neighborhood and want our neighbor necessarily to build a rental in their backyard. And so some of the things that they're looking at um, really change middle class housing and affect middle class housing. And so it's a much deeper issue than not in my backyard. And I encourage all citizens to be involved when this comes to the table, because they're gonna ask for a citizens, uh, the citizens input, and it's don't just have all the, let all the developers show up. The citizens need to show up too, because you know I've lived, I live in a neighborhood, a historic neighborhood, where I have a third of an acre um, my lot, I could fit a uh, 20 by 30 size building on the back. I can have an, you know, put an apartment back there under these new laws. 
But the people that moved into my neighborhood didn't move into a neighborhood where they wanted multifamily and all their neighbors to have rentals on it. And that's how extreme the land use changes are. And when you start to let that in, um, it starts to change the dynamics of the city and planning and zoning. Um, you know, we it's a pre-plan where you have R1, R2, R3. And it seems like in Pueblo that we're constantly changing the zoning on. And so it, it does mess out with the, the plan and the map and the comprehensive plan of the city and how it's supposed to run. And so I just, I'm glad that you brought that up because I've been wanting to have a platform where we have um, citizens that are viewing in and it's it's coming up here pretty soon and I'd like for them to pay attention and attend some of those meetings and give input from the citizens of the city because it can some things can change pretty drastically. No, absolutely. Uh, in that case, but with the shortage of housing, now Colorado Springs did this in some of the neighborhoods. They allowed you know people to convert garages into apartments and, and such. Um, and it's it seemed to work for them in some neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. Other neighborhoods, obviously, it's not. You know, where I live, I mean, it, it wouldn't work. Um, but we do need, it's, you know, there again, now we're, we're getting into housing. We need more affordable housing. Rentals, it, it doesn't matter. Um, well, you know, there's a whole new section of Wild Horse right. that was just annexed right. in. And they could put that as part of their development plan on maybe more smaller scale houses. We have a lot of that going up in the west side right, right now. There are large parcels of land that really don't affect, um, you know, the intention of the original subdivision. And so. Well, we've got to make it easier for developers to develop this land. Um, I spoke to a gentleman who wanted to build 50 affordable housing units over on the south side. And then the city came back and said, well, yeah, that's fine. You know, we'll approve the zoning, but you need to run a 36-inch sewer line a mile and a half down Prairie Avenue. And yeah, that's tie what in, developers have to do. You know, and it's, but you, <laughs> then it's no longer affordable housing because that four or five million dollar sewer line project gets passed on to the developer who then in turn passes it on to, you know, whoever's looking to buy the houses. So we pay sewer tax fees, you know, and they're crazy. You know, I've got a, a house of two, family of two, and it's, it's ridiculous what we pay in sewer tax fees. Um, I think some of that burden needs to fall on the city. Well, the sewer connection fees were, were just approved by city council within the first couple of months mm -hmm. that I was on, sat on council. And I asked, how are we going to afford, you know, build affordable housing? Um, and there is some grace and there is some things the city can do, but it has to be a true affordable housing project. Right. The other reason why um, the land use um, codes and things will be changing is because they want to build a s smaller um, home. But the thing is, is that they're wanting to put like car charging stations in the homes. They're wanting to make it solar. They're wanting to do net zero. And those are very costly expenses for the people who are occupying it. So they're sacrificing the space of the home um, to put in these amenities to meet um, the um, net zero alternative energy 
and I don't know that that you know that, that is that really necessarily fair no. because we don't have a uh, we still don't have a um, sustainable replacement for what we're doing now and so we're doing a lot of investment and you know um, small they say their theory is that you know America is just you know they live too big the houses are too big everything about Americans they just live large and they need to live smaller well you know what that's why we're America because we have the freedom to make those choices and do those things. No, absolutely. Mm -hmm. There's only so many things that the city government has control over when we talk about affordable housing, but things that we can do, um, you know, for instance, the, uh, the liens, the, the liens that we build yeah, the on tax the houses. Liens. Right. Um, you know, we had several properties on the east side um, that had asked to have transferred to urban renewal so that they could transfer them to Habitat for Humanity. The city... Even though the council passed the ordinance, the city has still yet to transfer those two properties to urban renewal to give to Habitat for Humanity. So there's things that the city could be doing that we're not doing. Mm -hmm. And it's frustrating. Um, yeah, no, I five years ago when I ran for mayor, I, I made that argument that that's what we needed to do. And I still, today and five years ago, I thought that we needed to take some PEDCO funds deposit them with a, a community bank or a credit union and use that money. It's We're not gambling it away or giving it away, but use that to collateralize loans for small businesses. Say you, you and I don't care how small it is, you would come to the city and we'd agree, okay, we're going to collateralize, collateralize this loan for Graham's Grill for a new fryer, okay? Um, and Mayor Gratishar said that that was something that was impossible to do because those funds were dedicated for creating primary jobs. Well, apparently it's something that, that can be done. And I think we need to look at, still look at doing that and possibly making construction loans available for people. Sure. Um, you know, Regina, you, you've got some construction background. You know, if you built a house yourself without using a general contractor or somebody like me, you're going to save a lot of money. You know, and in Pueblo County, they'll let you do the electrical, the plumbing. You can do it all and save a lot of money and have a lot of sweat equity into your house. You'd have to be able to qualify for permanent financing in, in order to, to keep the program working. But I think there's a lot of different things we could look at. I mean, and like I say, it's the, the, the uh, tax lien, you know, foreclosures. Um, give those houses someone, okay? And, and give them a construction loan. Uh, and then you put a stipulation on there. Well, you can't sell this house for X amount of years and you can only make a certain percentage of profit because it has to go to someone else for well that's why you have um organizations like neighbor works mm -hmm. okay we got a question from chat too um they say to all four candidates should any of the should any of the churches involved in forging pueblo have to pay taxes now that they are actively involved in politics shout out steve for that question you know forging pueblo is a non-profit okay. it's established as a non-profit and it's um it works within the rules of the state where it receives its nonprofit status from. Mm. And so if Steve C. has an uh, issue with that, then he needs to notify the state and see if he's right with what he's saying up there or if Forging Pueblo's right in doing what they're doing. What about, what about just like morally in your, in your head and heart? Do you think that they should or they shouldn't? I think that um, anyone can pull a, can't put a cannabis candidate forward mm -hmm. and represent a candidate and um and support a candidate it's no different than if 
you know, all the clowns in the circus were supporting me. If that's what they wanted to do, that's their right. That's their freedom. And so I'm not going to get in the middle of the tit for tat over the church. Um, separation of state is not part of the First Amendment. It's part of Thomas Jefferson's speech. And so, um, you know, you have to really understand the Constitution, understand the First Amendment and everything that it meets. And at a city level, you know, we're not concerned about who's supporting who. You know, if if you want to be support a candidate that's supported by a special interest group, because that's who they'd be, then that's your choice, and that's that group's choice to do. Yeah, I think it's up to the, it, it falls back on the candidate. If you want to take money from certain groups or certain individuals, mm-hmm. um, because you feel that their support of the community is important, then you take the money or you take the support. Um, and and if you don't, then you uh, you raise money elsewhere and. Um, you don't get involved either way. Um, but I think groups should be able to support who they want. Um, I'm just going to lift this whether up. You, uh, I can scoop this whether you uh, agree with uh, the certain group or not. I mean, that's why we're all here. That's freedom of speech, and we live in America. So Yeah, the, the Ku Klux Klan has the same right to support Regina. <laughs> or is the, mm-hmm. the greater public chamber of commerce would have to support Heather. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't matter... It's it's a right that you have, and it's like Regina could say, I, "I'm going to distance myself from these clans," but you know, um, but yeah, they it's wouldn't like... choose me anyways, Tom. <laughs> because if you know the history of the Ku Klux Klan, I'm a little too dark for them. That's a, yeah, that was, that was, that was quite yeah. the example, Tom. Yeah, <laughs> um, you know, I mean, you would know, right? Yeah, I'm a little too dark for the Klan um, <laughs> or skinheads or whatever they're called. Steve updated his question. He says the founder of Forging Pueblo, Quinn. Not going to say his full government stated in the Pueblo chieftain that Forging Pueblo started as a network of a few churches, but has grown to around 18 churches today that participate. Um, I think in in my in my heart and head, I don't know how how involved I want the church in my in my policies. You know, I I think there should be a there should be that separation. Well, you know, you were you quoted yourself one time. In God we trust. I did. And I did. so now you, you know you're changing we were? your mind? Well, you know, we were in Fortune Pueblo. And oh, so you weren't being honest? Well, no, I, I'm a, I believe in Jesus Christ, and okay. Jesus Christ is my Savior. Mm-hmm. But, you know, as, as, a, as a human being that has, you know, I, I have enough wherewithal to know that, hey, everyone doesn't think like I do. And there's, mm-hmm. there's a lot of ways to grow up. Mm-hmm. And so are they supporting um, biblical worldview or are they supporting values, people's values? You know, I don't know. We'll uh, see. We'll we don't them. know. Yeah. Yeah, I think we should ask Forging Pueblo. Quinn, what I, do you think? I, I know you're watching this. I'm sure <laughs> Forging Pueblo has. Uh, they actually, if you go to their website, they have a place where you can email in and ask those questions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> That's a, that's, that's a great that's a great question. A great question. Otherwise, when we get into this conversation, we're we're putting in a bunch of what our personal opinions are, and um, if they feel that they're in violation of something, they can go to the Secretary of State and file a, a complaint there. Mm-hmm. So, let's see. I think we had a uh, we had shout out Elvis for being in the chat for real. <laughs> Okay, nah, city manager, obviously not. We're all running for mayor, bro. Come on. All right. I think we should talk about crime. Okay, let's talk about crime. I think that's why I came. Okay. Mm-hmm. What do you got? Okay. 
So, um, you know, as many of you know, that's one. That's a lot of our. Um, that's a lot of our platforms, and it's a huge problem in the city right now. Shout out Randy Thurston, zero tolerance. Ass. Yeah. So, I came here tonight because I wanted to ask Randy Thurston what zero tolerance means and how. <laughs> How do, how do you get to zero tolerance? And although all of us, you know, citizens, um, community members, business owners, we would all like to see zero tolerance, but we know that that is not something that we can attain right now. Um, we're down, we'll probably be down 60 officers um, by the end of the year. Um, the city of Pueblo, no matter who the mayor is, will never supersede state legislation. So. Although we hear a lot of talk about Pueblo being a home rule city, there's mm -hmm. only so many things that you can do with Pueblo being a home rule city. Even my ordinance, for example, um, $2,000 used to be a felony if you stole. Um, now, it, you know, 2000 or less isn't. My ordinance is a misdemeanor, $300, three days in jail. That's a misdemeanor. So there's a lot of things that, yes, we can do um, at a local level, but there's a lot of things that we can't do. And so when we talk about zero tolerance, I'm wondering how Mr. Thurston is going to um, obtain zero tolerance when we, come, when we talk about um, drug dealers, uh, car thefts. Mm -hmm. um, without state legislation, those aren't fights that the city of Pueblo can fight. Um, and without a jail with more than uh, Councilor Maestri and I last year, um, we had several meetings with the, the jail, the county mm -hmm. commissioners, mm -hmm. the, the, the municipal judge at the time, trying to advocate for the city to, to get beds. more bed space. Mm -hmm. um, in the jail. In the jail. Mm -hmm. So right now... It's very overpopulated. Well, even if it's not overpopulated, our jail will actually only hold about 10 mm -hmm. municipal right. holds. Yes. And so the sheriff is not taking... Um, citizens of Pueblo and putting them in jail. That's not what's happening. They're taking from all other counties. And so the city only has, on a handshake, not even a contract, only 10 municipal beds. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't suffice for the city of Pueblo. Um, no. I think mm -hmm. that the county commissioners need to put um, pressure on the sheriffs and the sheriff's office to allow more people uh, to allow more municipal holds to go into the jail. And I think that that could help clean up a lot of the crime instead of people being let out, you know, six, eight, 12 hours after they commit a crime. That is why, you know, you see the offenders on the street. Um, it's, it's a huge morale impact to the police department when they're continuously just playing catch and release. Um, some criminals are getting arrested three times a day and, you know, they're taken and then they're let back out. And so that is why you see this significant, um, crime increase mm -hmm. and we're not talking about part one crime so we've heard the mayor we've heard the police chief talk about part one crimes being actually down 15 percent which you know kudos to our police department but that's homicide arson um armed right. robbery rape um those are the big ones though they're the big ones right. but i think people in pueblo really care about petty crime hmm. they care about your cars being broken into your cars getting stolen your windows getting smashed your um, car's getting stolen is is a it, higher. It's petty. It's petty. It, or it's it's under two thousand. Well, or it's a it's a misdemeanor, right? No. Well, they were writing a ticket. Yeah, they're writing a ticket, but they're still not doing that at municipal level. It's still at a higher level. It's not a municipal crime. It's a state crime. But it's it's these lower level offenses, mm -hmm. you know that. 
we can't we, we can't we, we, well but we can't do about anything right. about it on a municipal level and so and so i'm curious you know what mr thurston's plan is when we say zero tolerance because i whether win or lose we're on city council for two more years <laughs> Mm-hmm. You know, we'd love to hear what that plan is moving forward. And if these are tangible items and solutions, mm-hmm. we'd love to help put it in place. So, um, you think, you think it just sounds good? I think it just sounds good. It just Absolutely. Sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what do you think, Tom? It just sounds good. Well, you know, the thing is, is before I announced, you know, he wanted to meet with me at Starbucks. And when I asked him to explain, um, zero tolerance to me, he ended up throwing, a f- he says, well, it means exactly what I said. Well, I'm on city council, and I want to know what I need, to, what I because I hadn't announced. I wanted to, to know what to look forward to. Um, so, because I'm excited, zero, zero tolerance. He ended up calling me, referring to me as I. He said I was being divisive, like a Democrat, <laughs> and basically wanting to walk out at that point. And so, that's why he's not here. <sighs> I didn't say it, but you know, there are things that we can do as as the leader of this city. Um, it's, a long, it's a longer route, but you know, what put us here today is state legislation and our state legislators. And while they were decriminalizing, okay, uh, we could have had representation from the leader of our city going, hey, you know what they're trying to do to us? You know what they're trying to do to our police department? Do you know what things? But th- nothing like that was done because I believe par- uh, partisan politics played into it. My friends, our buddies, our party, we got to protect what they're doing. Um, so there really wasn't a presence from city leadership up there saying and notifying the citizens, hey, Make your phone calls. Call those legislators. No, those legislators came from Pueblo that wrote the policies that decriminalized, that took away the qualified immunity from our our um, police officers. They didn't come out of any other place but right here in Pueblo. And, um, you know, to this day, they're still celebrated because nobody even knows to this day that the reason they're suffering from these crimes is because... That's who wrote it. That's who pushed it forward. That's who got it through um, the Capitol. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so going back um, to last week, um, I had Samuel Alves on here. They're both in the chat. And uh, Cur- uh, fuck. Sydney, I was about to call you Curly Sid because that's your user handle on here. Sydney mm-hmm. asked, do you think crime stems from poverty? Um, what's everyone's takes on that? I think it can. Absolutely. 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 We have in Pueblo, Mm -hmm. we have a a huge problem with generational poverty. And so it's, Mm -hmm. it's almost a learned, um, you know, my parents did it. I did, you know, I do it. And so, um, I think that we have to get away from that, Mm -hmm. uh, that it's okay. Um, and, and whatever that looks like, there's so many aspects, um, you know, to get people out of poverty, but Sure, it, they go, I think they go hand in hand. Definitely, I agree. Yeah, no, I, I think so too. You look yeah, at absolutely. the, you know, we get the, we get constat reports uh, from the police department, and you look and you see um, where the hot areas of, of crime are, and you know, Bessemer and the East Side are, are the two top, um, two top hot spots on those sheets, and um, you, you know, they're in, they're in our neighborhoods that are, are full of poverty, and so mm-hmm. I think, uh, I think it goes hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think it's ridiculous if you don't think that honestly it's 
you've never been you've never been poor if you if you've you guys ever stole anything I would say yes I mean I think everybody has even intentionally or unintentionally mm-hmm. um it's yeah I think it's I don't I I don't think there's anybody out there who can say I've never stolen anything hit the self checkout don't even even check the the stake (laughs) right into the bag (laughs) but you know that was a long that was a long time ago um it wasn't necessary though wasn't it no I I, speaking (laughs) of the um people living in garages I was I wasn't homeless but I was if I didn't have this garage to move into I would have been homeless when I was in college uh, I freaking it was dead of winter I bought a heater from Goodwill, five dollars, and that that kept me like basically alive for the whole winter. I just, you know, kind of the story you would tell me. I had a falling out with my roommate, or you know, as in your situation, that guy had a falling out with his wife. You know, and like if my name's not on the lease, and you don't want me there, I, I gotta leave. So I I didn't have anywhere to go. So that garage basically saved my life. Right, right. In a weird way to put it. Maybe mm-hmm. we should talk about the shelter next. Mm. What what's your uh, thoughts on that? I'm confused. So the council, you know, expended four hundred thousand dollars last Monday to um, the rescue mission, um, and you know, part of the wing of it was going to be a warming shelter. And this very cold weekend, um, council changed had an emergency ordinance also on Monday night to allow um, the mayor to declare an emergency night. So. Um, unhoused individuals would be able to go in and whether that's the mission or in a church or I, I think even like in a nonprofit building if they want to open their doors to welcome people in they're allowed to do so so you know we know it's going to be cold um, you know the mayor the city attorney says that you know there won't be a problem we'll be able to close on the building you know we'll be able to open for the or mm-hmm. they'll have the building for the weekend and the emergency order is because it supersedes um, it, zoning it, yeah, it supersedes zoning. Mm-hmm. So because not every building is zoned to just how let a people right. in overnight. So, okay. you know, yeah. I start to see the weather, you know, changing. And so actually Sunday morning, I, you know, email Mary Gratishar and say, you know, although we don't get along, I say, Mary, are you going to call tonight as a declaration? Because I'm getting a lot of phone calls um, from community members wondering where we should tell people to go. You know, I received no email, no answer back uh, from him. They did not declare the nights. It was ten. It was seven degrees when I left uh, Monday morning, and you know I, I was then trolled on my Facebook page by him saying that the the mission had enough room that night. Well, on the coldest one of the coldest nights that we'll face this year, if the mission had enough room that night, then I'm wondering why the city council just spent four hundred thousand dollars on a building. Mm-hmm. So you know I don't believe that they had enough money. I know. Um, that you know there was there there were several people um out sleeping on the streets i know crazy faith i think was actually maybe taking people back and forth to the library i wasn't sure what was going on mm-hmm. they had like their their van uh parked out there they were just letting people you know sleep in their van because it, it was bitterly cold and so when you have leadership and and local government you know that was no additional cost to the city to to call um it was no it was nothing. It was just making a declaration for right. any church church to be able to open. You think he did that just because he doesn't like like you as a person, or he just he just doesn't give a fuck? I just, I'm 
not sure why he did it, um, but it, it, it's alarming, and the community should be alarmed, you know, that that, that that did not happen, that on a 10-degree night, the mayor, the only person who can make the declaration, did not make the declaration. And if the answer is, I did not make the declaration because the mission was not at capacity, then I'm not sure why we just spent an extra $400,000 on the building, and I'm not sure why we have, you know, homeless people and every corner in Pueblo. I have a mm-hmm. business, you know, not too far away from here in the Mesa Junction. And, you know, on the daily, when I go there in the morning, there are several people sleeping outside of my patio. Right. Um, you know, right around the block, there are several people sleeping. And so I think that this is something that we seriously need to look at. Um, well, we have, you know, we have a no camping ban that's going to be introduced here within the next couple of sessions that we've been working on um, up north. They've been instituting these camping bans from the spring through the summer. It's a no camping ban as long as you have bed space, which we have plenty of bed space now, um, according to our capacity, you know, of how many homeless people we have here. Bed space at the mission is what you're talking about. Yes. Beds. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Just so everyone's... Yeah, especially with the new... With the new um, all they need is overnight bed space, okay? And so they won't be allowed to camp on any public land. Any city, any city-owned land, um, without facing a fine, and you know they've been saying that the population has grown here in Pueblo, um, and I believe that it's because they've um, passed these up north, mm-hmm. and they're implementing the fine, and they're moving down this way because we don't have a fine here. So we need to start implementing that because our our population is growing. It's grown by two, two times the amount in the past couple of months. And so they're either coming out of there um, rather than facing the fine up north. And so there's bed space. They have the bed space. Well, what's, what's the census? I mean, how many homeless people do we actually have? So the, in the city of Pueblo. The point in time count, which was the pit count mm-hmm. that they right. did, it said that we had 359, mm-hmm. um, which we know that that's not, that's not accurate. It was, you know, I think it's, it's done over the course of a week. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it's done by, you know, individuals going out and surveying. Right. So mm-hmm. if you don't respond mm-hmm. or, right. you know, uh, I know that there was certain area they did not, you know, travel Fountain Creek. They did sure. not travel mm-hmm. places that were unsafe. So it was more of just uh, who do we see? Who do we mm-hmm. see? Um, right. And I, you know, I, I don't even think that the mission or Crazy Faith at the time participated in the mm-hmm. um, the survey. So I, you know, I think well, that there's yeah, many the, more. There's than, 359 in, in Bessemer. You know, off and north. Um, I mean, it's well. Here, here's the thing, though. We need to start doing something about it because our environment is being extremely polluted and destroyed by the camps and the homeless people. Now, they have the opportunity to go to the mission every night or any shelter and sleep there, but they are not allowed to set up. They would not be allowed to set up a camp space anymore because with that camp space comes trash, human waste, um, they're cooking drugs in some of them. I mean, it's all hazardous ways. And then for our employees in the city to go out and clean those spots is um, it's detrimental to their health. Mm-hmm. They get pricked by a needle. They get flesh-eating disease. They get exposed to where they've been cooking drugs. And um, that's huge. That's a huge liability on the city. So not only are you polluting our lands, 
And if we have to get rid of our gasoline engines and go to uh, wind and solar power to preserve the environment, we're pretty counterproductive if we're letting everybody throw trash and defecate all in public. Well, I mean, I see what I see your point. Okay. Do you think that the reason these people are not going to the mission every night is because accessibility issues that they just can't get there? Like, it's just... No, it's because there's rules. Okay. You said they can't set up any more, any more camps if they go there. No, they can't. There's no camps that are going to be allowed. Okay, okay. When this ordinance comes out. So the city of Pueblo does not have a camping ban. Yes. So you can... Um, what are the rules then? The rules are you can't set up. You'd have to go. You can walk. Oh, the rules of the rescue. Well, I was going to say, you're, yeah. I think what Derek is asking now, what, what are the rescue mission's rules? Oh, the, well, the, you know, that was them. the one of the reasons why we didn't vote for it, because we bought a city, piece of city property mm -hmm. to be used for a certain reason. Low barrier. Yes. And they are having, um, they're having uh, to be able to put rules in place which I completely understand if that's the mission and that's their policy and in their building, they want certain things done. Because you should never mix transitional housing, people who are trying to transition out of homelessness with the guy who doesn't wanna stop drugs, doesn't wanna stop drinking, doesn't wanna stop Makes crime. You can't because they it's an influence. Mm -hmm. The people that are transitioning are struggling. This is the big struggle to cross that finish line. Oh, yeah, totally. Mm -hmm. It's easy to fall back into your, uh, I don't know, if you're Habits. doing drugs at one point. Your right? Triggers right. and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think. Um, okay, so, so the rules to go to the mission, I don't think we ever solidified that. No drugs? You can't do drugs there. You can't. Bobby probably drink. No, there. you can't. You can't do drugs there. No, you can't. You think that's the that's the major reason what's stopping them is? Oh, I'm sure it is. They don't want to follow rules. They don't okay. want. They want to do whatever it is that they want to do. So, what does that say to us as the taxpayer? Are we supposed to allow them to just you know do whatever they want to do to our lands? Are we supposed to what provide them with a, a temporary housing? So they can treat it like they do their campsite. Okay, so we have a we have a very um, active chat. I'm just gonna read some of these out. Um, we need a homeless shelter that allows pets. Mm -hmm. How about all these empty buildings around town? Um, tiny home projects. Most regular people are one missed paycheck away from experiencing homelessness. Mm -hmm. uh, the needle giveaway. Rehabilitation, rehabilitation centers for drug addicts. Yeah, I think, I think we all are. It's common sense to implement all of these ideas. It's just, what is a strategy? Because all of these ideas are, are very good ideas, right? I think everyone here can agree. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. This, oh my God, you guys see this one, Joe Latino man. I feel bad for this guy, bro. He's getting the works on Facebook. Well, you know, everybody makes their choices. You know uh, the. That everybody makes their choices. Joe made his choices, you know. Um, but it's just also unfortunate that I mean, you know, we all know here how hard it is to run campaigns to be in the public eye twenty four seven. Mm -hmm. 
And people should be talking about how they're going to move their platform forward, forward. instead mm-hmm. of right, slinging right. mud at other candidates. We're all adults here, yeah. and we should all be above it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's it's piss-poor politics when you are doing stuff like that. It's, mm-hmm. it's not amusing. It's not a good look. And, you know, quite frankly, I don't think that people in the community want people like that in leadership positions on the city yeah. council or in the mayor's office. I just... We have huge problems to solve in Pueblo, and I think you just need to leave all up, all of that at the door. Mm-hmm. I, I agree with that. Yeah, I, I think agree with that. Absolutely. I, I see that people are, you know, crisscrossing the line into other people's campaigns, and they're not even their opponent, you know, um, and making stuff up. Yeah. T- tell and, us what you're going to do, right? Yeah, tell exactly. Tell us how you're going to make the change. Yeah. And that's how people are going to vote. They're not going to vote about he said, she said. Yeah, tattletales. That, I mean, you shouldn't vote like that. Maybe some people do. But mm-hmm. um, when I go to vote, you know, I look at the background, check out their website. You know, I try to see who I'll be able to work with mm-hmm. and who I think has good ideas to put the city forward. Like, you know, mm-hmm. we all sit here and say Elvis is cute, but do what's his policies? You know, we have, where's his policies? That's what we're elected to do. We're is here to implement policies and to make sure that we move the city forward. Well, I, I don't know if he's got policies laid out, but I think his intentions are good. I think he wants to see the city moved forward. Like I say, he's not a slick talker like Mayor Gratishar. You know, he's by no means is he a lawyer. Um, I just, I think he has a problem, you know, articulating himself and his ideas. You know as to what he's trying to say but i think he cares yeah he cares you know and that goes that goes a long way you know he cares that's obviously it, mayor yeah. gratisher doesn't care you know we had 10 degree weather and homeless people out on the sleeping out on the street you know so i don't think alvis would have uh, he probably would have made that call if he were mayor Make so, it a uh, way above 10 degrees, make it a 32 yeah. degrees. That's Shit. when water freezes. That's freezing, yeah. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, I think you should just, can't can you just be like automatic? This is an automatic thing whenever this temperature reaches that. I think, right. and it should be, you know, it should be like from, you know, October through March, and we shouldn't have to wait every day, you right. know, if one person is going to call the night, like the declaration. I think if you're a church and you want to bring people in or you're a nonprofit and you want you to bring do people in, the mission wants Absolutely. to open, should. they should be able to. We Absolutely. shouldn't have to be watching the news or looking at the city's Facebook to see if the city thinks it's It should just enough. be standard. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's, I agree. It's crazy. It should be standard without any penalty. So if our, if our temperature is 19 degrees or below, then it should just be be in place i don't know why oh there's penalties if you do it without the city saying it well they could because you could be breaking zoning laws by having an abundance of people fire code if you fire code and things like that individuals and you you can't have them in overnight so this ordinance and some emergency declaration does away with all that so you're allowed to i like that i like i like that you should be able to do you know as you wish and there should be an automatic thing in place grad shark kind of you got to answer that one on, on Monday or Tuesday. Whenever the hell you come. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, Curly Sid has a good question. Just also in the regards of homelessness, but also in general society and, uh, you know, with sexual assault comes the need for an abortion or a rape kit or an abortion or something like that. So um, I'll read out her question exactly. It says, what kind of services and health care are we providing for women and feminine presenting people? 
who have high rates of sexual assault resulting in pregnancy while homeless. Sorry if I kind of stuttered there. So I don't think that that's necessarily a um, something that the city provides for. Um, I can't think of any funding sources, you know, that come out of our general fund. We've seen the city receive, you know, the $36 million in um, ARPA funds, and we were able to distribute those funds to many nonprofits. Mm -hmm. But in our um, normal budget, that's not a lot. Those aren't line items that the city the, he the health department very specific yeah yeah, yeah. the health department we give them an allotment of money every year yep. um, along with the county and they decide what those services are so they're the entity that um, provides anything I don't know to what capacity I know they do some um, testing they offer some vaccinations and things like that but you know for those who um, receive Medicaid, that's come. That's also coming from a, a county, a state. That's a state-funded program. Well, anybody. I think I think that anybody that I think people have a hard time believing or understanding. Yes, we are a government entity, but we our money is based off of tax revenues and fees that we collect. It's a very limited resource. We can't even apply for grants on things that we can't administer we have a purpose mm. and the purpose of the monies that we receive mm -hmm. is to maintain this city to bring new infrastructure and grow economic development it's not set up we just don't have the funding to fund social programs mm. well okay. any anybody can walk into an emergency room at at st mary corner parkview and they're not going to get denied service um, and I don't care. You can walk in there right now and have no insurance and need quadruple bypass surgery. You know what? You're going to get it. You know, they're not going to they're going to treat you just like they do anybody else. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that's that's the reality of it. So um, to say that that but you're going to be homeless after that bill. <laughs> well, you're already homeless before that bill. So, oh, I mean, but no, well, what they'll do is that then they'll get you on Colorado Indigen, Indigen Health. And mm -hmm. that bill will get negotiated down to, you know, a few dollars and they'll write it off. And I mean, I, I'm, that's really how the system works. But if you have a job and you've got a little bit of money, you know, they're going to say, you know what? No, we're going to collect that money from Derek, you know, and, and they will. And a lot of people do end up with, in problems with you, you can end up homeless real quick, mm -hmm. you know, because of uh, medical bills um, End up at bankruptcy. Next thing you know, you're homeless. I mean, it's. It's one of those things, but I mean, it's no one should ever be afraid, you know, not to go seek medical treatment, you know, just because they're homeless, yeah, you know, or they or they're unemployed, but because the resources are out there. You know, I think when you get into those situations, you know, you get a lot of women that are sex trafficked, um, and they're victims. We talk about a lot about the homeless camps down there. You know, when you're in there and you're listening to the stories. A lot of those women are so drugged up because they do receive some sort of um, meniscal resources and their resources are being taken and they're just being drugged and they're being used. And so um, if you didn't have the camps, you could lessen that problem. If you didn't allow the camps, you could lessen that problem. The problem is just going to move somewhere else. I mean, you've got to solve the problem. 
you know, if they're not in the camps, they're going to be, you know, somewhere else. You know, you're going to, it's, it's not going to alleviate the problem. It's just going to move the problem from one place to the other. Hmm. You know, we can only, we can only help those that want help. True. Very no, absolutely. true. You know, absolutely. We can only help those that want help. So to design a whole program of trying to prevent that from happening is not at the hands of the city or the responsibility of the city. Mm -hmm. What you can do, the best you can do, if they're going to go somewhere else and they're going to commit crimes and they're going to take advantage of women, we just know that here in Pueblo, we're not going to allow that to happen because we're not going to allow them to gather in a place and create their own little city with their own little laws and their own little rules down there mm -hmm. to Zero do what tolerance. they want. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, Samuel said, I think those are completely different men. I think uh, being sexually assaulted, well, uh, actually, fuck. Those are kind of actually pretty two of the same. I don't, I don't, I don't know. You know, I mean, it, it's... I guess if that's how you want to, if that's your platform, go for it, you know? No sexual assault <laughs> is, sexual assault is never okay, fuck all that, and if you do that shit, you deserve to be in jail. Mm -hmm. You know, because there's, um, I've spoken to a lot of people in law enforcement and first responders in this community um, that um, will tell you that drug addicts sell their children for sex yeah. so that they can buy their drugs. Definitely. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's no secret. No. That's that's absolutely no secret. And so... What about I, abortions? What about them? How, what's everyone's stances on that? Well, everybody knows my stance. But you know what's very concerning? Hmm. Is that we have a legalization of abortion in this state without any regulation. And so that, through my um, having educated myself, and not just taking someone's word for it. We have abortion a clinic, abortion clinics that have less regulations than the dog pound. And so anyone, because when Dr. Carhart died, when he passed away, his shingle still hung in that abortion clinic to keep it open. We don't even know if there, it's been replaced with another physician. You said a shingle? Oh, it's a... An expression. Sh it's an expression. Oh, okay. That means they're licensed. Oh, they're licensed. Okay, mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. Sorry, I, so I'm not a doctor. So really, they're out of compliance, but because we don't have um, <clears throat> a policing um, regulating agency to regulate it, mm -hmm. it just continues as usual. And it will tell you right there in the statutes that you don't have to be a licensed medical professional to perform an abortion in a clinic. They just have to have the doctor's license hanging in the clinic. Well, we had a dead one, a dead doctor, and yet the doors were still open. Hmm. And so... Tom, that, what about you? What's your opinion on abortions? Well, I uh, personally, I'm, I would be considered a pro-lifer, but I don't think it's my business to tell anybody else how to live their life. Um, but as mayor, like, you kind of have to. No, not really. Kind of have it's to like, like set up the. It's, it's Heather's choice. It's Regina's choice. It's Viv's choice. It's, it's all. It's personal choice. My personal choice is I'm pro-life, but I don't look down on anyone else who is pro-choice. That's a choice they make. If if someone a woman wanted to get an abortion, that's something that she has to live with. You know that would be you know her her issue. 
Um, it doesn't affect me, but that's a choice that, sh that, that I think she should be allowed to make. Um, if I were a woman, I, I would not make that choice. What if, what if you were raped? You know, there's, there's options out there. Okay. There's the morning after pill. What um, if you were raped and held hostage for four months and this guy's continually raping you and he's not letting you go see the doctor and you still get an abortion? Well, you know what, Derek, what if you were raped? I would get, I wait, would get wait an a abortion. second. What if you were raped and you went to seek an abortion, but they didn't have a trained medical professional to help you with that? Wouldn't it be just like legalizing back alley abortions because there's no regulation? I'd rather have a, a access to a back alley abortion than no abortions. Have you ever have you ever seen the results of an untrained professional performing an abortion? I mean, I think I think the untrained professionals come I, when I you think start that if you're going to legalize it abortions because we gotta I, have access to them or else people aren't going to be able to be trained. I. I think that if you are legalizing it, it should be safe for women. I agree with that. Okay. It should always be and safe. I, and that's, that's what I'm asking. Oh, word. I'm, that's what I asked for. Oh. I wanted to bring awareness that because we were a state for legal abortion, it's not just that simple. Okay? And they, you know, they want to say it's not an issue, not an issue, but... Set over 70 cities in different states, not just Texas, has passed this, and they've passed it for different reasons. Some was because there were only four abortionists in the country that performed the abortion from six to nine months. Well, that's kind of that's kind of extra, though. You know, let's talk about like most. I don't know about most situations, but like a general situation, like Heather. What's your thought on that? Like six to nine months, obviously. Like I don't want to see a fully developed baby die. Obviously, like that. Nobody want... wants to see that. But yeah. again, this isn't conversation for the mayor, for the city council, for for municipal government to be having. If you want to ban abortion, um, call your state legislators. That's. I mean, we've already been down There's this road mm -hmm. so many times. Um, this is not a discussion for the people that are in this room. It's it's not up to us. That, you know, several cities and several city councils have taken it. And, you know, actually, at, well, you know, Colorado is, you know, you just have to have the guts to do it. But in uh, New Mexico, for instance, in New Mexico, for instance, um, the state attorney went after these cities in New Mexico who had passed the ordinance. It's not outlawing abortion. It's just saying, hey, I don't want this unregulated um system here in my in my city harming the women of my city yeah. that's all it's saying it's not outlawing abortion abortion's been legal for many years you know why pueblo ha did not have an abortion clinic for many years because it's sitting empty like this one over here the citizens of pueblo can't support that abortion clinic and that's why it's mostly empty the thought was is they were going to do the late-term abortion that was the plan that was their initial plan. That's why they came here. Do you know what the late-term abortions bring? Because there's only four doctors in the country. You, you did explain this to me. One yeah. Time. That's, yeah. It it's, brings it's tourism. It brings tourism. Oh, I didn't. And you know, know and one. then see another part that's not regulated is in the state of Colorado, you don't have to do statistics, keep statistics on how many late-term abortions are being performed. But if you took the statistics that they did take from the rest of parts of the United States, that would have been 58, 58 out a week 
coming out of this clinic. You know, Virginia, this you're going to have to show me this unregu- unregulated abortion deal. Well, uh, I, you know not, what? Do what I'm I not, did, Tom, and go to the state regulation and read it. It's very simple. I'm, I'm not buying this that anybody can perform an abortion. Well, you know what? You may, Neither... not, you may not have to be a doctor, but you've got to have some sort of credentialing, I would think. Well, be a, go a, back to the city council meeting where Parkview or... Hospital doctors came in, and I asked them point blank, did you realize you don't have to be a licensed medical professional to perform an abortion? And you know what the answer was? Yes. I learned that today. Because they looked at the, the regulation. It's I'm right a, there. Just I'm look a, at I'm it. I'm going to have to look at that because I'm, I'm having a hard time with that one. Well, good. It's because it's public information. All you have to do is look it up. I mean, everything, everything's regulated. You know, it's, it's, and for something that serious... To be unregulated is just hard for me to fathom. Well, then look it's, it up. I am going to look it Good. up. Good. Um, it's you know I I do a lot of research and I I can tell you when I do my research, I can find something that's going to support everybody else. We could all have a different opinion, and I'm going to find research that's going to support every one of our opinions. State regulation. So, and I am going to look it up. Yeah. What, Great. Where Where is it at under the state regulations? Under the abortion law. Okay. Mm-hmm. Under the abortion law. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, What's next? Get on that, Viv. I, I think. What's next? You got your phone? Get on that right now. <laughs> Read the comments. No, get on that. Get state regulations. Um, you know, I I kind of agree um, with chat. I think, I think, uh, you know, Heather, you're right too. You know, we're not we're not necessarily we don't have, you know, a voice in these matters, but people are voting for. You know, people that they kind of agree with. Sure. So, you know, and I'm, I don't think any of us are claiming to have all the answers, but it's just, you know, where is your moral compass? It's kind of where, you know, these, these tougher questions that there's not really a right or wrong answer to. It's just how you feel. And I feel like most people kind of vote with their hearts about the, about that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I personally, I'm, I'm pro-choice, you know, have have some abortions just don't get carried away with it you know there's there's obviously people that take advantage of the system in every regards of healthcare. you know you can't have 15 abortions but you know you know there's a there's a median like there is in life in every topic and we have to find that um fine line mm-hmm. great stuff um what about the uh the needle the needle exchange or as or as sam would say the needle giveaway he says it's not, it's not an exchange. Yeah, that should have stayed dead when it was killed. What's that? The needle exchange. The needle exchange. Yeah, when it was, when it was voted down the first time, it should have stayed that way. It should have mm-hmm. never came back to the table. Does everyone agree? I, um, I was in those meetings when it was, you know, going to bring back the one of the counselors who um, ended up voting for it was not there. So that's you know why it was. Who's that? Sarah. So that's why it was brought back. But there was several meetings, you know, that had happened beforehand. Um, they had come to city council and said they would not be having syringe services being provided in the building. I think we can all agree that, you know, the building is an eyesore. It's a blighted area in Pueblo. And um, if you can start fixing up some of those buildings down there, you know, eventually Northern Avenue will, you know, also get cleaned up. And I think that we could have all agreed on council that putting some kind of a wellness center to provide services to people um, in that area is a good idea but I 
I think the majority of us on council had questions um, when business owners and residents were coming to council uh, questioning having syringe service in the building. Um, and, you know, the ordinance, I'm not sure if you watched, was um, adjusted on the spot to um, allow syringe service. Uh, Regina and I voted against it, and it was a, a 5-2, and it passed. And um, I, I, I've personally been over there a few times cleaning up um, buckets of needles. So I, I know it's a problem. I've seen it with my own eyes. Um, and I think it's going to be more of a problem. Um, and I, you know, I think that we tried to listen to what the business owners and what the residents, I mean, you're not too far from it either, um, mm -hmm. wanted. And I don't think that that's what we got at, at the end of the deal. And so it was, it was very disheartening that a nonprofit that we provided money to, um, flipped the script the night of the council when everybody had agreed and, um, agreed what we wanted it to look like. And that's not the way that it went. Wow. Yeah, you know, if they want to um, have provide some sort of service, the taxpayer dollars didn't want their the taxpayers didn't want their dollars going towards that type of service. Now, whether they need a needle exchange or we don't need a needle exchange, that's their business. They want to be in the needle exchange business. Um, it would be nice if we didn't have our ever since we've had needle exchanges, we've been riddled with needles. Okay, as yeah. far as everywhere. Um, and if they think that's a life-saving or helping a drug addict um, kick the habit, whatever it is. But taxpayer dollars didn't, taxpayers didn't want their dollars going there. I'd like to see some kind of accountability um, coming out of there, too. You know, whether that's changing the cap colors um, for when they're, you know, brought back to the exchange or, you know, how, how the city, how citizens are holding uh, SCARA accountable the number of needles they're distributing and how we can tell what needles are coming from there and wherever else they come from and I think that that would help you know clear up a lot of the um, issues that we see whether you know if you received a needle from the needle exchange it was a different color um, or you know if you took it back a certain day you got a different color and so we could really track and see you know what an impact it is or isn't making on the community yeah what I heard is they don't want to change colors they want to just keep it the same well, so course. nobody knows so nobody right. knows mm -hmm. i just i don't think it's the city's business i mean i'm for the needle exchange program um, but i don't think the city has any business being in the needle exchange program or help fund the needle exchange program it's been around for years it's always been a nonprofit. um keep it that way you know but i mean i'm kind of with regina and heather i mean the taxpayers don't want their money to go to something like that. But I, do I think it's a necessity? I do, but it's it's one of those things that I don't think the uh, the city needs to be involved in. Mm -hmm. So, because they, you know, the city does clean it up for the most part. Yeah, they clean it up. In this case, they're um, providing, you know, a building, you know, to, for them to, to do their business in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, is uh, good and bad on each side. There's not a right answer, I don't think. No, when it comes to taxpayer dollars, there should only be one answer, and that we should be responsible with how we spend that because that $975,000, when we're talking about affordable housing and, you know, sewer tap fees and the cost of sewer tap fees, we have $86 million worth of wastewater infrastructure that's just 
falling apart. And that's the reason for the raising of those, teeth, uh, those fees. But ARPA monies could have gone. That could have been $975,000 for um, wastewater infrastructure. And then we could lessen the fees for affordable housing. So, I mean, how how fast does it take the city of Pueblo to accumulate a hundred thousand dollars in taxpayer money? How, what's isn't it? How much do we get a year from taxpayers? Well, we, we, I think our expected we've been getting about a hundred um, and hundred and fifteen million with fees and taxes a year from mm-hmm. property tax. Fifteen million. Yeah, all the different taxes and fees. We're uh, we're launching our budget next year. I think it's one hundred thirty-two million dollars, mm-hmm. taking in one hundred and twenty-two million between mm-hmm. fees, property tax, and sales tax. Yeah, so ten mm-hmm. million has to come out of the savings in order to cover the expenses. Oh wow. Mm-hmm. Mm. And that's not even what's probably going to have to come out of the reserves for this year because mm-hmm. um, sales tax has been down over the last few months. This budget was built on. A little bit over a three percent increase. Mm-hmm. I think year to date, as of last month when we received, we were down two percent. So you have to gain about five percent to you know break even. And I think um, right now, I think they said that we're we expected to be with what with their projections. We took seventeen mil, almost seventeen million out to cover twenty twenty three. But that was Tabor funds, so that was. That was an ad- that was additional money that the city was not going to receive if we would not have debrews. So mm-hmm. I understand that. I don't understand taking a third of our reserves for next year's budget um, to pave roads. I don't understand that. I think if we continue to do that over the next two years, um, the city's going to be in financial trouble. Whose decision is the roads? The mayor's. The, mm-hmm. So Gratishar is take is mm-hmm. taking this money out. Um, so we you know they okay let's 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 talk about the real thing behind the roads it's not that it's an election year the taxpayers giving up forfeiting their Tabor municipal Tabor refund is why we have new roads okay because prior to that 20 years 20 plus years they never allocated any money towards road maintenance and repair um, they didn't have it. I don't know. Didn't know their budgets. We just got here. Okay? But they didn't have it. So for 20 years, they didn't do anything with roads. The only time you saw a new road is because a developer put it in for the, what it, whatever their, their project was. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we have, we got $17 million 2021 um, in Tabor refund money that we didn't have to give back. And um, we have put in, we've put that in roads. Um, but, you know, again, we're running over. We're, we're running over budget. Like, we're going to do another $10 million this year, but that's what's coming out of the savings account in order to do it. I call it's the fund balance, but the, nor, you know, the everyday person understands it as a savings, savings account. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you say, oh, well, you don't want money just sitting in the savings account doing nothing. No, but we could use some other capital improvements that the money could go towards also, mm-hmm. not to cover what we should be prioritizing mm-hmm. out of the regular, out of the normal revenue. You can only do that for so long. 
Mm-hmm. You could only take out from from the savings for so long, and then kaput. You know, they told us, and then didn't they just tell us with the police that we'd be we wouldn't have anything in the fund balance if we gave like we what was the it? Police a ten percent raise. If we gave them a ten percent raise by twenty twenty seven, we'd bankrupt the city by twenty twenty seven. But they can take ten million out. And they have a 10-year plan that we could still live off of them, you know, what's in the savings for the next 10 years because, you know, it's all it's all nut and shell. It's like, do you know that that term, that terminology? It's yes. a nut and shell. It's like a little, it's like a little game here. This mm-hmm. is what we're going to say this time. I don't know, but that Prairie Avenue in front of the Gratishar Homestead, it's nice. And they just put it in a really nice curb cut. It's nice. Hmm. That's sarcasm because that's... The Gratishore homestead. But you know what was real? You know the negative about Prairie? (laughs) What's that? Is that you have all live wires still on telephone poles all down there. And if they really did that right, if they did it correctly, they would have buried all of those electrical lines. Well, and that's that's an expense that would come onto Black Hills. And, you know, that can be expensive from when you go from overhead to underground. Mm-hmm. But no, that would have been, yeah, but that would have been our, the opportunity Yeah, but when our it. seniors are having $600 electric bills in the winter, yeah. I mean, Black Hills, you know. Yeah, no, it's, you know. it's, uh, there's there's always, you know, it's I, I see tons of poor planning. And I think, you know, Heather called out the, the mayor on it as far as Prairie Avenue, the concrete work wasn't done. Um, you know, have you noticed, Tom, they're going back? Yeah, no, and that's what I said. They just put a curb cut in front of the Gratishar homestead. I, 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 I'm not sure if Nick's mom's still alive or not, um, but uh, he grew up over there on Prairie next to the uh, Walmart little mini market over there in that place in the Well, in that, the yeah, all, that, all that's Gratishar. Yeah, yeah. So. yeah, they, they laid they the asphalt before they right. finished they weren't the done with the concrete work. They were only halfway done with the concrete work, and, and then he told them, pave. Yeah. Selection year. Well, the no, the asphalt plants do close at a certain time, and, and you've got to get closed. that. Done. They're not. They're still not closed. But by the time you would have finished the concrete work, you could have jeopardized them being closed. Well, or we could have planned better. No, you that's know. it. I mean, and it's it's always poor planning because what happens is, is not, and you've been in construction. You know, you, you you cut that asphalt back, and it's you. It's it's been compromised, so we it starts to rain. We get cold weather. It freezes. It cracks. It gets potholes. You know, so you really, ideally, you know, you want to have the concrete have work to, done. If you put that form in there correctly, you're not going to have to cut that. They, but they won't let you, unless they've made an exception. You cannot, when you have asphalt like that, you have to cut it back, form it, and then patch it back in. They won't let you pour up to the asphalt. In this case, because it's all new, they—they're doing—they're cutting it up already, right? Instead of liquor yeah, store. I, I think they're they are. They're, cutting, they're the cutting back. You know, well, yeah, it's, it's like they did. Look at the expense they put into Twenty um, Fourth Street. Now we have all this new infrastructure. Right. right. You know, I was going to work, going to work, and um, I could see where they've cut. You know, oh, right down the center of the street you from patches. Who knows how old it is? Like right. twenty years ago. Heather has to go, guys. I so have she's to gonna. Go, but I just want to say that this was lovely, and thank you, Derek and Regina and Tom. And it was nice to just have conversation. Did you expect um, to go like this, or did you expect something worse? No, 
be I, honest. I get along with Regina and Tom, so we can be adults and we can be in the same room and voice our opinions and, mm-hmm. um, you know, try to hopefully improve each other, um, I think is, is, is what it should be about. Not, not name calling, not, to, not aggression. So, um, thank you for hosting us, Derek. Of course. And I just want to wish everybody good luck. Yeah, we'll see you on um, Tuesday. And, um, hope everybody has a great weekend and thanks everybody for watching at home. Hell yeah. Head to Graham interview coming soon. I'll let, I'll let her out. Okay. And then you guys can continue talking real quick. Oh, let him get situated. Yeah, so we look at the homeless situation, the crime situation. I think that everybody that's coming to the table, um, we all want the same. We, no, absolutely. We, we, we all we want to reduce it. I don't know that we're ever going to solve it. Uh, it's, yeah. um, and you know, unfortunately, even with um, economic development, we have ideas, but really, no one coming to the table in this position is an expert. And we'll have to, you know, we'll have, the consultants will have to be brought in. But right now, no attempts like that are being made. You know, we're still sticking with the same programs, um, the same players, um, and we're not we're not moving any further ahead. And you know, this is a beautiful city. I've lived here for 33 years. Um, I spent a lot of my childhood here in the summer vacationing. To me, I came from a small farming community. Like when I came here, it was like, oh my gosh, we got a mall in this (laughs) big city. My mom, when my mom moved here. She's like, I can't get around. It's too big. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. You know, I get lost. Well, use your GPS, you know. And so, um, you know, and it was funny, too, because when I moved here and I lived um, out on the Mesa, sometimes I would, on 40th Lane, like seven miles off of Highway 50. It was it was pretty it's m- far out there. Yeah. yeah. But I still came to town when I wanted to come to town. Right. I didn't plan it. And then I would have family that lived on the south side, and I'd say, oh, let's go to the mall. Oh, yeah, we plan on going on the north side, you know, maybe next <laughs> Thursday or maybe this weekend. You know, and I do this like three and four times a day. Um, but it's a beautiful city. Um, I chose to raise my son here. He serves and protects this community here. He's been here for 15, in that business for 15 years. Um, people have asked me of all the places you've lived, cause I've lived in some dynamic places, you know, beach, um, beach properties. Um, and I did this through my work and through my travels. I lived in Europe and people say, oh, of all the places you've lived, what do you love the most? And I say, Pueblo, Colorado, USA, mm. it's hometown, USA. Hometown. And, Absolutely. um, you know, but I, I'm going to be honest. I've been disappointed what I've come home to. Mm. And so I'm hoping that, you know, we have leadership in the seat that um, respects Pueblo. Um, our, our ancestors didn't come here. Uh, they came here to live their American dream. They didn't come here. I think they would be disappointed if they saw what was going on today. Hmm. Um, and it's just a disrespect for our city through our, you know, through our leadership. And so we need to do something. If we want change, we are the change. The voter is the change. And so when they say, oh, I'm tired of this and I'm tired of that, then change it. 
Right. You know, I you know we talk about moving Pueblo forward. You know, if I become mayor, my goal is to move Pueblo back five years, because five years ago we were a much better city than we are now. But that was mm-hmm. before COVID, though. Well, you, know, you, can't... you can only go so far blaming COVID. I mean, that's Mayor Gratisher. I'll tell you, that's why the crime rate's so high, because they emptied all these prisons, and it's like it's a, you have these problems not just in Pueblo, you have them everywhere. Well, you don't have to have them everywhere. You don't have if you choose to do something about it you don't we don't have to be like every other city of a hundred thousand people we can be different but if you choose not to do anything about it well yeah you're gonna you know you're not gonna things aren't gonna improve those, those stimuluses they um you know that's that might have been the first time some people held seventeen hundred dollars in their hand you know that and that you know it's not, it's not a lot of money to most people but to some people that's that was that was the time of their life like they had they never had that much money in their pocket so they want to keep living that so i could kind of see you know the the correlation between covid and crime because when you when you live you know most people they're eating salisbury steak you know they're eating they're eating you know they're getting get by eating mcdonald's when you when you live a little bit better life you know for a month or two you're like dang i really enjoyed that and i want to I'll do whatever it takes to to keep living that life, even though it's it's you know medium medium lifestyle in America. That's very sought after. You know, um, during my career, I've mentored a lot of people who've worked for me, mm-hmm. and I u- usually would choose um, single moms mm-hmm. that were struggling with an eight dollar an hour job, um, because I would everywhere I went, I had to build a team in order to complete my project. Mm -hmm. And I would choose single moms, and for the first couple of days, um, not even the couple of days, for two weeks, I traveled with my job, and I always lived in a really nice home provided by my company, or a lot of times in some of the fancy hotels because my company owned several high-end hotels. And I would take my girls... And um, I would go and buy them a wardrobe. And then instead of going to work, we'd go have breakfast. Then we would go have lunch. Then I would take them to dinner for about a week straight. And they'd be like, oh, my gosh, you know, here, here's something for your child. By the end of that week, the end of the couple of weeks, I say, you know, do you want this for yourself? Well, yeah. Well, then I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you achieve that. And you know those women still work in the industry today in a man's world, earning a man's living, taking care of their kids. I have a girl, she's she's um not quite 40. She's got 3 kids now. She started when I met her, she had the one. She's got 3 kids now. Still doesn't have a husband. You know, and she's taking them on vacation, and they're living in a nice house, and she's driving a nice car, and she's had her struggles up and down. Mm-hmm. But, you know, too many times people are telling other people, just stay where you're at. You know, poor thing. You can't do anything. Mm. You know, it's be, you're treated this way because of your skin color. You know, you're nev- there, no one's ever going to let you achieve, and that's not true. White privilege. Is white privilege real? 
is white privilege real? You know, um, have you ever heard the Black Eyed Peas song, uh, Where Is The Love? I have heard that. It's a great song. It's a great song, right? Iconic song. It says, when you put your race in front of everybody else's race, it's going to allow you to discriminate. And that's when the hate comes out. Mm. Okay? Okay, okay. And so, even though I love my culture, <clears throat> I, I come from many different cultures. And, you know, people want to say, oh, well, you're white, your dad was white, blah, 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 blah. Well, no, my dad was Portuguese, Italian, Irish. And those, ra those um, cultures were so highly discriminated against. I mean, my great-grandmother, her parents were born into indentured servitude in slavery into the Carolinas when she came over from, when they came over from Ireland. People go through rough times. So you're saying white privilege, white privilege does not exist in today's time? No, that's, a, that, that, that's a divisive statement. Everyone, we come here, we came here, this is, our families came here for opportunity, for the American dream. And yes, there have been setbacks, you'll always get setbacks. But you know, that's what the, that's what the civil rights movement was for. It put everybody on an equal playing field. And so you can't say that they're being targeted and discriminated against when they have very much members of every race and every culture that are successful. No, I'll, I'll agree with that. I don't think it's, I don't think it's real. I think it's an excuse. Um, it's, we just talked earlier about generational poverty, you know, um, does it need to be that way? No, but I mean, they've learned it. Um, and, and if the parents don't, you know, encourage their kids, say, you know what, you need to go to school, Derek, you know what, you can do better than this. Yeah. You know, you can, you can make something of yourself. But as long as the parents are saying, you know what, Derek, you know, just hang out, man. You know, you need something, just go steal it. You know, it's, it's a, it's a different thing. I think everybody has, you know, it may, sometimes it helps who you know, we'll say that, but I think everybody has the same opportunities to get ahead in this country, um, develop wealth in this country. That's, but that's part of the problem also is we've made, put so much emphasis on wealth and um, money and easy money and everybody thinks you know wealth is something that you know you can go out and steal it if you want to acquire it you can go out and sell drugs you know there's so many ways to acquire wealth um and that's the problem i mean it's it's there's the right way and the wrong way and it's like a lot of people choose the wrong way but i don't think uh, i think everybody has the same opportunities um i don't think there's yeah no white privilege with, yeah. And I think in Pueblo, you're younger, Derek, but, you know, so I moved here before you were even born. But I think all of the cultures in this city have gotten together, I mean, gotten a well long uh, for many, many years. That I never saw anything as divisive, as divisive as I saw at the statue. I was like, what the heck? This is not Pueblo. See, I think, you know, Back to your point about um, the civil rights movement and stuff, you know, um, legislature and, and politically, you know, we're trying to make equal footing for everyone, but we can't we can't police people's minds, you know, just because 
you know, it's white privilege <clears throat> exists in in people's minds. It's it's who you're gonna. So treat how a how, bit how do we how do we cure indoctrination? Like, well, I mean, it's indoctrination is what it is. Mm. When you when you're you, born into it, yeah, is that what you're saying? It's indoctrination when you're t- speaking negatively amongst the about other races because maybe of your your own shortcomings, the, the cards you were dealt. But I've seen people come from, my grandfather came from poverty of the depression. He moved from the South because of the Great Dust Bowl into California where he was discriminated against just because he had a Southern drawl. Mm. He had an eighth grade education and yet he ended his career as a vice president of operations for one of the largest companies in California. You know, I I, I, I see what you're saying, but um, you know, historically people of color got the second pick of, of everything or the or the, the last pick. You know, it's like, you know, we we got our, everyone got their opportunities, but you know, people that were more white presenting, they got them first. And uh, you know, that just people of color kind of you know, we're still, we're, 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 we're in a great position now. Don't get me wrong. But um, there you go. It's, that, that, there you go. Uh, I mean, yeah. we're in a great position now. And why are we trying to me. make up for why are we trying to make up for past mistakes? We weren't even born. We weren't even on this earth. Why are why are we sitting in that? Why are we why are we stewing? Well, it's like in reparations. That? You know, dude, black people deserve reparations. You know, it. It's it's a hot issue, and do and do black people deserve reparations? I think in some situations they do deserve reparations because they were they were conned out of their land in some instances. They was taken from them. They would have had multi multi generational wealth with just this plot of land, but because of their color, it was taken from them, or they didn't they didn't get to uh, kind of just exist there. You know, they were moved. Well, those are Native Americans are the ones who really, in my opinion, deserve reparations. reparations. Great. Um, yes, you know, great. My, my family, we never owned slaves, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and kind of like what Regina said, you know, her, her a lot of white people were indentured servants when they came here mm-hmm. um, and discriminated against. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I don't know, and it's like we were talking about, it's indoctrinated. You look at what's going on in the Middle East. Palestinian children are learned to hate Jews. They're taught, you know, they learn it in school. Um, does it need to be that way? No. I mean, why can't everybody just get along? I I don't know their education system, low key. I don't. I you mean, know, I, are they are they taught to hate Jews? I mean, I know that's like it's a crazy war, a hundred year war. It's I'm not educated on that. To really you know speak what? On in this case, I think we're lucky because here in America, we the laws. And our freedoms, freedom of religion, freedom of all of us to live together um, is very important and it's not respected enough. The things when we're talking about going back and trying to change history and trying to make right right by history is taking us to and where these countries are suffering where they're at now. Mm -hmm. And it's a part of it. It goes. It's so deep. And you have, you know, if you study it and you research it, um, you start to sound like a conspiracy theorist, (laughs) but you can connect the dots. And that's the thing is when you first, when you first learn about it, you go, whoa, 
But then when you start to connect the dots based off of actual events, then you realize where it's headed. And this, this conversation within our community um, isn't as, it's louder than how people actually feel. Okay, because they're being loud about it. But if you talk to any one of the families that have been here for generations, they all played together. You know, they all got along. Yeah. And that's the one thing about Pueblo. When I I had a choice to live two places, one of two places. One was Destin, Florida, the other was San Antonio, Texas. Now just because San Antonio, Texas has a river walk, I don't compare it to Pueblo. But the culture in San Antonio, Texas, where you have diversity and everybody gets along is what is why I chose to live in San Antonio, because it reminded me so much of how everyone got along in, in Pueblo. Um, I, I've read a lot of um, data, um, a lot of statistics, a lot of research. I've done a lot of research on why this is a big part of the noise right now. Um, and there's a, there's a goal in it. Um, and it, it's disrespectful towards our Republic form of government is what it is. And it's our Republic form of government that gives us the freedom hmm. to yeah. live as we do. Yeah. And I mean, you know, you know, we're, we're all here for Pueblo mayor. Um, mm -hmm. but, there's there's ideas that branch out past Pueblo, and I think um, systematic racism is is one of those ideas, and it's just it's it's in our prison system, it's in our it's in our it's in our housing situation, it's in. Well, we've run under one form of government here, uh -huh. party politics. Mm -hmm. We it has led this city for eighty years. Yes. Okay, one party has dominated this city. You want change, then change it. Hmm. Yeah, I... Really pay attention to who you're voting for. Seeing, you know, maybe it's not so, maybe it's not a crazy thing to um, invest in a Christian leader. Hmm. As long as they're not bringing it to the table, as long as they're, you know, just implementing values and morals so that we can all get along and, and thrive in this community and create a healthy environment, what's wrong with that? But right now, we have been led under a form of government and a party of party politics when it's supposed to be nonpartisan. And Tom, I'm not trying to, my idea on this nonpartisan politics is it's, used a lot of times to try to lighten the situation but here's the thing is the voter is um leans one way or the other no absolutely period. absolutely and so um you know it's just that's just is what it yeah, is yeah no absolutely you know you know it's um i don't know if you've seen these numbers about what where who how many people have voted mm -hmm. and what parties have voted Mm-hmm. It's no, you're absolutely right. I mean, and that's so it's going to be interesting to see. Um, I think Pueblo is probably uh, 
It hits pretty well. It's not like it used to be when it was strictly a Democratic town. I think it's about 50%. It's it's 50% unaffiliated. I'm mm-hmm. going to go there. And then probably 25% Democratic, 25% Republican. So this is going to be an interesting election to see how people vote. Mm-hmm. If they you know. come to the table. Yeah. You know, because there's a lot of people that are holding off. Now, Republicans, they tend to hold their votes to the last day. Right. And so um, they've already decided who they're going to vote for was before they even got their ballot. Yeah, for sure. But they hold it to the last day. And, you know, that's their, that's their, that's their prerogative. Yeah. And I think the Democrats, they've already decided for the most part who they're going to vote for. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll just... I'll just say you know okay i'm a i'm a democrat um you wouldn't know that because i was left off of all the information that the democratic party put out <laughs> for i'm assuming for a reason um and then like i said i uh did you, do took, you want one they took down my campaign uh, sign do you want one of these oh no okay okay no, no, no. they took Thank down you. my campaign sign at democratic headquarters and they replaced it with the gratishar one Oof. Mm-hmm. and then i parked my legally parked my sign trailer on 9th Street in yeah. front of the Democratic headquarters. They came out and defaced it. Oof. You know, Who's so they? it's, yeah, someone from the Democratic headquarters. Oof. And it's like, I've they've refused to respond to any emails of mine. I'm not, I, like I say, I haven't even gotten started on this yet. I'm going to wait till the election's over. But, um, you know, I, I do have, I would, I would say, Democratic values. And I do believe, and my Democratic values are probably... Regina's probably thinking, oh, AOC. No, not even close. No, I know. I already, know, I already know about. I already know about it. And this is where, this is where we, this is where the parties used to work better. Right. Is where your level of of values are, and because I don't know that. Um, fearing God, loving your family, and loving your country is a political party as much as it is as a person who wants to be in a free land, wants law and order, wants to love thy neighbor, wants to, you know, their children to go to a good school. Yeah. Um, that re, re, you know, and I just, I think that's where we come together right? on those things. And there's these parts of, the parties that are kind of going crazy because you know what my party doesn't like me either what's your party what do you what do you uh claim well i'm a registered republican registered republican okay mm-hmm. yeah are, are you uh what, what do you what democrat you democrat mm-hmm. I, I you know i believe in uh basically the collective bargaining agreement i think um strong labor union unions really made and it, this is this country kind of what it is as far as um slave labor i mean it's like without unions you would still have um company owners like everest still paying whatever that they could get away with you know a non-living wage per se and and that's kind of where i'm i'm at i just i think that uh the democratic party you know and it's it's like if you get social security that's that was a democratic deal you know, and it's, uh, um, I think the, the, the Democrat, I think both parties have done great things for the country, but like I said, I'm, I come at it from a union, from a, a organized labor standpoint. Mm-hmm. 
And that's, wish... that's where I'm at. I'm not. Do I think this, what's going on at the border, do I think we need immigrants in this country? Absolutely. But an open border the way that it's going right now, that's to me, that's unacceptable. Mm-hmm. You know? And um, that's why they don't like you. That's why yeah. they don't. They don't want you putting their your sign in front of their building. Yeah, I don't care. <laughs> it's like, yeah, but yeah. it's you know there's you've got to draw the line somewhere on on certain things, and it's it, it's what a, what about uh what about changes in your personal life, uh, you guys? You guys felt you guys felt any anything different with this whole because uh, the election's coming to a close, you know, within the next week. Mm-hmm. How how has things changed within uh you know how people treat you or who talks to you or stuff like that? No, nah, it hasn't. I haven't really seen any change. I do get some really, some crazy things, you know, on, on Facebook, but, uh, yeah, it's, I don't know. And everybody's entitled to their opinion. And I try to respond to some of them. And it's sometimes it's really hard. You get someone, you know, you, you, you can't get through to them. I mean, logic just ceases to exist. Mm. Um, I don't know. It's, but that's about all. It's kind of a little stressful. Add some stress to my life as far as that, because I do want to respond to everybody who. Mm-hmm. But it's like, oh, forget it. You know, I'm I'm kind of over that. But uh, yeah, you have to practice self control. Yeah. Because, you know, I've been guilty. Uh, I'll be honest with you. I've been guilty. Um, I, sometimes I see and s- somebody attack, and sometimes not even me, but someone else, and it's like, what the, you know. Um, but you know, you grow from that, Mm -hmm. you know, you come from a a person, a regular everyday person, um, to into politics and, um, Lori Winter asked me, what are you going to do if you lose? How are you going to feel about it then? And I'm going to say, well, you know, the whole point is to try. I'll feel, I'll feel just fine. Um, because I know that I tried. I know I did my best. And so um, when you do that and you're determined, um, you, I'm, ta- I'm taking care of, you know, my, what I feel is right. Hmm. And I'm good with that, you know, so. You feel like the public, public perception of you has gone up or down? You'd be surprised. I get a lot of positive phone calls. See, one thing that people know about me mm-hmm. is that I'll answer the phone when they call. Um, so people call me all the time. And it's cute because they'll call me from like my door knocker or my mailer or something. And they'll go, um, is this Regina Maestri's office? And I'll go, no, better yet. It's Regina Maestri. And they're like, oh, my gosh, it really <laughs> works. It's you, you know. And I say yes, and and the people that call me of all political parties, of all different types of so different you know economic levels, all these people, um, you know, they're they're supporting me. Uh, do I have haters? Of course I have haters. But you know what I learned about haters is most m- m- they mostly hate themselves, mm. and that's why they continue to come forward. And they think that's an, they're projecting some sort of astounding, you know, revelation about Regina, mm-hmm. you know, and really all they're doing is showing themselves. And so I can't if I did this based off of what people thought about me, I'm not I'm not the best leader 
for the job because you have as a leader you have to take the emotion out of it and you have to make the decisions that people the everyday person isn't willing to make because they're too emotionally tied to it and so that's how it works and we go (laughs) oh my god this chat is insane let's go up a little bit let's go to some positive shit Um, i don't think there's any is there any um shout out adam withrow he's vote he's uh he's running for what are you running for adam remind me because it's something bigger than all of this oh my god i know oh my god i know okay anyway yeah i feel like you know i'll answer my own question you know, and, and that's, I, I what, see, when I talk about um, the regulations and statutes behind abortion, mm-hmm. I'm only going to talk about what I know. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to talk about um, makes you know, what makes something up. Oh. Because then I've killed my cause. I've killed my credibility, mm-hmm. right? And so it's funny when they call me, you know, say, oh, I'm part of white supremacy. You obviously don't know anything about white supremacy because I'm way too dark for any white supremacist to want to be around me. I, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I thank God I don't know any white supremacists. You're, you're cool with me. I'm not a white supremacist, though. I guess what? Neither do I. <laughs> I just think it's it's just funny. It's like if you want to... If you want to make a statement and you want it to stick, then be credible with it. Mm. Otherwise, you just nothing. It's mm. just air. Mm. You know. I do know. I do know. And uh, damn, I, you guys got anything else you guys want to speak on before we, uh, you know, vote? <laughs> <laughs> I think you know. Um, I. I don't go around reading other people's campaign websites, you know, or looking at their stuff. I can only be me. Mm. Every piece of literature that was put out by my campaign was written by me. My campaign manager, he did all the nice little graphics and the pictures and all of that. But all the words were my words Mm. uh, because I'm the one that's going to be serving this community. He wasn't. Mm -hmm. And so he just said, have at it. And it's from the heart. And it's a plan. And um, I'm excited to see what happens on Tuesday. How are they going to announce the winner? Like over (coughs) local news stations? Yeah, didn't the news stations reach out to you and ask you if you were having a... uh, Watch party? A watch party. They did reach out, and I was like, I don't have cable, so... No one I know has cable. Right, cable is dead. Would you like to come to my home? I'll come. I'll come watch it at your house. Okay. Let's all well, go. Because guess what? I got some really good food. Oh. I got some people. You could be bring your friends. Win or lose, we, st- we still come lose. over. <laughs> yeah. You want to come over, Tom? You're more than welcome to come over. I was just gonna stay home and go to bed. Because I'm having. <laughs> oh, because because you know, I'm having Mexican food, Italian oh. food, and Asian food. I'll be there. Mm-hmm. I'll be there for sure. Okay. I'm going to text you my address. I'm going to hold you to it, too. I, I don't have cable, so I'll I'll, yeah. I'll have to go listen to somewhere. Yeah, so we'll go, you know, 
um, you know, it, sorry, there's no smoking in my home. And you know, I can, but, you I know, can smoke outside. <laughs> but you're more than welcome there. Thank you. You know, you can smoke on the porch with my mother. She'll be smoking a cigarette, though. Ooh. You know. <laughs> Good cheers, our, our Dutchies. Tom, you got anything else you want to say to the people before yeah, they uh, vote? You know, and it's, I'm kind of like with Regina. You know, everything that I've said, I don't have any staff. Nobody, you know, nothing. It's just me. Um, and it's, I think, I have gone and looked at a few websites of uh, somebody. And just recently, you know, because they're sending out these text messages, I sent one out. And it directed people to my Facebook page. Oh, yeah. And, oh, man, that was, could have been a mistake. That was anyway, a mistake, huh? Yeah. <laughs> could have been a mistake. But I've looked at, at some of the other Facebook pages, and it's like the first thing that comes up is they want money. They're looking for a donation. And then you scroll through, and it's like, well, wait a minute. You know, what, what are they going to do? You know, it's the same thing, you know, I've heard over and over from them. But I don't see any real ideas or any plans laid out. The big thing seems to be they're looking for, you know, a donation. And it's like, like I say, I, I think if, if you feel the job's worth having um, and you have the resources yourself, like Mayor Gratishar does, um, you should invest in yourself. You I know? did. I mean, 80% of my campaign is the fourth largest earner. It's like that. My, my co-host uh, broke it. It's just that tape. You just got to scrunch the tape down. This tape? Yeah, fucking oh. Max broke it. Okay. I hate Max. Um, I and, and it's funny because the paper didn't report this, but, you know, if it wasn't for my significant other, you know, um, help, for you. helping me out, you know, we funded 80% of, of my campaign. And yeah, if, it's, if, if you feel that it's something worth doing, mm -hmm. like say it's, we have a daughter, she's a, a MD now, and... You know, we put her through college and everything, and we said, you know what? You want to go to medical school, that part is on you, but it is an investment in your future. Mm -hmm. You know, so if you want to be mayor, it's on you. It should be on you. I don't, I, the first time around, I didn't take any money. I think my mom gave me a couple hundred bucks, and my brother in San Francisco gave me a couple hundred bucks. Mm -hmm. But I, I'm not beholden to any man. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't matter. You're not going to, if I become mayor, you're not going to be able to come up to me and say, hey, my brother-in-law needs a job. There you go. Remember, I gave you 200 bucks for your campaign. I'm going to say, mm, you must have given that to Nick, you know, oh. or something because he, nobody's given me a dime. And I've had people offer me money. I'm like, no, I, I just, I don't, don't do it. I just don't take it because I don't want to be beholden to anyone. So, you know, I was lucky on my first, um, my first uh, run as city council, I I was the third highest earner, um, and I had some very well known, wealthy people donate to my campaign, hmm. and I have to thank Lori Winter for that because she helped me raise the funds. I didn't know anything about running a campaign. Lori Winter helped me out really well, and. Um, and none of those people have ever asked anything of me. And they wouldn't, they wouldn't get by with it. The only thing that someone did, two people texted me, two of my donors texted me when I was doing the um, pro-life ordinance. Um, they texted me and they said, Stand, stay strong. That's all they ever said to me. Just stay strong. Hold your head up and stay strong. Mm -hmm. 
and that's it. I they like didn't. That. They didn't tell me you need to do this or anything. Just stay strong. And so, um, I'm beholden to no one. No mm. one's going to come in and try to tell me what to do, um, or try to tell me to do the right wrong thing. You know, I only fear one person, and that's Jesus Christ Himself. Mm. And because of that. I'm led to do the right thing. That's why, Tom, I'm not going to give you a, a regulation <laughs> and it not be true. There are three regulations, though. Let me tell you what they are. Okay. Um, they all have to do with funding. Isn't that sad? They're going to make sure where the money comes from and where it doesn't come from. Damn, fuck you, Steve. Gratishar and Graham, you just counting us all out right here and you're watching us right now, bro? <laughs> I'm gonna ban you from chat for that one. Um, it help you can't receive um, you can't receive be a public employee and use your insurance to have an abortion. The other one was you had to have a licensed um, hanging in the office, but that per that person doesn't have to be there. And the third one was um, something about public you can't receive public funds for your services. So there's now if a nonprofit, say the clinic itself, gets donations, that's one thing. But you can't use public funding like Medicaid. And so those were the, that was it. It was sad. That's why. To, if, if, I mean, if, if this is true, I mean, it is sad. Right. You know, it's like mm -hmm. this is, you know. Mm -hmm. And th this is our community. And we hadn't had we weren't trying to make abortion illegal we were just trying to say hey this is an unregulated law and it has to do with women's health and safety and we shouldn't permit that we should stand up for our women and the pro-choicers are doing a disservice to women if they're not out there collectively fighting this state to regulate abortion so they can be like saviors all they want to say, oh, a woman has a choice. But protect women. Protect them if that's what you think is okay. Yeah, I mean, it's it's an invasive procedure. And it would just like going to a same-day surgery center to have your gallbladder removed. I mean, you've got to have a professional who has some training to do this because... Or, or, you know, what if something goes wrong? You know, mm -hmm. and there's, there's, well, this is, I don't, this is my third day on the job, man. I don't know. Yeah. Should I call, what, call an ambulance? What? You know, mm -hmm. it's like, I just, yeah. So there, there was a huge history behind Dr. Carhart. He had uh, the gentleman that, the, the abortionist that was opening this clinic. Mm -hmm. He was 83 years old. Couldn't even see, couldn't even right. see those babies. You know? Right. He testified throughout his career on a national level in front of Congress asking for laws to be passed where the fetus could be born. And I'm going to say, I'm going to correct myself on that because he always referred to it as a baby. Most abortionists use the term fetus because it discounts the importance of the life inside. But he used the term baby. He legislated for that baby those babies to be born and he would terminate them after birth because it was safer, a safer procedure for the, mo the mother because he had lost two patients and permanently damaged many. Um, and so 
I only speak this because I, I will not come to the table. You know, the reason why I, I went to Mark Lee Dixon, Mark Lee Dixon didn't come to me. Texas never came to me. But when I looked at what the concern was, I said, I need the best person, <laughs> best legal in the nation to come to the table with me. And I had it. I got it. Um, and then also Jay Seclo came in and got in front of counsel and said, if you don't allow her um, legal team to talk about the legal behind the ordinance, then we will sue the city for a viewpoint discrimination. Well, don't ask the question, though. Don't ask the question, Derek, and then just when they're not liking the answers, change the subject. Uh, no, I'm, I'm just, I'm just trying to, you know, I don't... the whole abortion thing. I mean, it's it's. We did bring through it one time, though. Very, mm -hmm. very divisive. I mean, in the country, and it's like, mm -hmm. you know, I don't. It's one all of those right. things that. All right, guys. Yeah. We tell us what you guys think in the chat. We could run this back in a few days if you guys really want us to. We can get. I'm trying to get every single candidate here. Randy, Gratishar, Dennis. Where you at for real? I bet you guys are watching this. They're scared. You guys are, yep. They're Some scared. Of them scared. I didn't say it. I did say it though. <laughs> Come through. You guys are always welcome here. Anyone um, that wants to make a difference in Pueblo is always welcome to speak their mind here. Do you guys want to tell the people where they can follow your um, campaign? www.regina4pueblo.com. Mine's uh, Tom Croshall for the people. All right, guys, Regina, Tom, Street Champs, how, well, chat, y'all, thank you guys so much for watching. We're going to be doing a live stream right after this. We'll be um, Tron, Helena, Max, all of them.